Attention Life Tips listeners, looking for better ways to become better, smarter, faster, and wiser? Well, listening to Life Tips is a great start, but how about if we gave you an easier way to listen? Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Listen to Life Tips and even more programs that will help you build to a better health, wealth, and lifestyle. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play today. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Byron White here with Michael. Last day. Last day. Uh, let me start that again. It's <laughs> last, last day, right? Yeah, it's like the last day of school, my wife used to say when she was a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Welcome back to the Life Ship Show, everyone. I'm here with Mike last day. Mike, welcome. Thank you, Byron. It's great to be here. The title of your book interests me, Me First Leadership. It's all about me, me, me. <laughs> tell, tell me about the title of the book, for starters. Yeah, on the surface, that may seem a little narcissistic, huh? But uh, it really isn't. It, it's, it's, it's really a guide because every person's leadership journey is very unique, and the book helps every individual who would like to be in a position of leadership find their own leadership identity. Hmm. Now, Tell me about your own journey into leadership and discovering some of the insights that you have in the book. Tell me about yourself. Well, I had a 20-year career working with experiential education in a company that was entrepreneurial and growing rapidly. And and since I was there in the beginning, I had the opportunity to, to be in a lot of positions, a lot of different leadership positions. And over time, I began to recognize with the help of others that sort of my calling was was to be a, a leadership coach and a leadership trainer. And, and I did that a lot with uh, both externally with the programs we ran, but also internally with my, both my senior and junior staff. Could you describe briefly in your experience the path to leadership? Are, are people just tossed into it or are they forged into it by their own self-will? How, how does leadership come about? Let's start there. Well, you know, that's the thing. There's no single answer. Every person's leadership journey is very unique, and some people are thrust into roles, and some people aren't. But, but, my, but my thesis is that the position is irrelevant. Uh, you either are a leader or not. It has nothing to do with title. It has nothing to do with authority. And leadership is really a reflection of having a clear identity, a clear set, a clear set of mission, uh, vision, and values, as well as the determination to get things done and to do it in a way that inspires others. Hmm. Do you feel like there that someone um, is is uh, able to recognize there being a not not being a good leader? What's your take on that? Well, the bad yeah. leaders of the world. <laughs> yes, there there are a lot of them, and 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 not because of 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 in, their intent is bad. It's because they just don't know. And and what my book does, in fact, it, it has. 12 behaviors that if, if only the readers did those 12 behaviors and nothing else, they would be 
arm's length ahead of, of, of anyone else. I, I've interviewed and hired for a lot of leadership positions, and I've seen a lot of people fail, and it's almost always because they don't understand that their behavior is what matters the most. Could you give us your top three critical behaviors that you, that you think are essential? Sure. Uh, the, the, the first one is honesty, which seems like an obvious one, but it oftentimes is the hardest one uh, because oftentimes people try to be nice to other people, so they will couch things or they won't be exactly direct with some people. And leaders are brutally honest with people, both the good and the bad. So that's, that's, one, uh, that's one of the top ones for me. Um, the, the second one is really, you know, stepping up to the plate when others won't. It's really being uh, aggressive about getting things done. And oftentimes leaders will say to themselves, well, that, that, I shouldn't be doing that because that's, that's beneath my position. But that's, that's not really what people should be doing. They should be stepping up to the plate. And then, and then the third is, is a general rule, is not asking others to do what you wouldn't do, what you wouldn't do yourself. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's just when the case. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah. When, when, when any one of these rules is violated, what are the consequences? Well, again, it depends. Uh, in my book, I write about the concept of a credibility account, and, and it's, it's, it's like a bank account. So for, for every time that you act in a, in a way that's consistent with these 12 behaviors, you're, you're essentially putting a deposit into your account. So if your deposits are very high and then one day you, know, you show up, you do something that you didn't say you were going to do, or, or you don't do something you did say you were going to do. And if it's that one time, people recognize that as an exception because your credibility account is so high. On the other hand, if you don't have that credibility and you start behaving in, in, in those fashion, then pe- your credibility, your ability to get things done basically is eliminated altogether. Do you find companies run better with, with this sort of debit credit check system and characteristics of leaderships, you know, when, when the leader on top is on the A game and constantly, uh, you know, come, you know, fulfilling obligations with employees, customers, and clients. I mean, do you see this clear difference of, of, of success? Absolutely. And it's reflected in a couple of ways. I mean, you mentioned one of them is, is just being able to direct people and with, with both customers and with teams. But the second thing is actually creating an atmosphere where everyone is sort of following that. People, people behave the same way the leader behaves. So when, when they are doing that, then suddenly that trickles down in a positive way and, and it permeates throughout the company. So absolutely, great leadership is infectious. Likewise, poor leadership is uh, debilitating. I want to throw a curve at you, which some of the listeners, listeners may have heard me talk about in, in past podcasts that I've I've done, and and my feeling about leadership was there. There really, any good company has what I like calling four really great leaders in them: bear, a rabbit, an owl, and a turtle. Okay, your your bear is your manager. My way or the highway. This is how our structure and systems work. Follow the path or get out. Um, your owl is your source of wisdom. Been there and done that. Knows how to take the company from you know, once revenue to the next and what ingredients would, would, would behold to, to make it work. Your, your turtle is often your accountant. In order to get X, you need Y, Y to get Z. You know, your rabbit is your visionary. Desk is a mess, but a source of great ideas and inspiration. The key there is they all need to be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, focused on their areas of expertise because one person can't do it all. Do, do you do you agree with that philosophy? And if so, can you be a leader as a bear, rabbit, owl, turtle? 
Absolutely. And it's, it's funny because I have a whole chapter on, on a similar construct. And, and there are lots of different leadership theories that usually involve four different kinds of, of, of uh, ways of doing things. And, and you, you describe them nicely. I, I do it a little bit differently, but it's essentially the same thing. And I would add that leadership can come from any of those four, but the thing that they have to, that whoever the leader has to recognize is the person that drives them crazy the most is the person they need the most. So you mentioned like the accountant. So the accountant is someone who is nose to the grindstone and follows the rules and, and is by nature slow. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, you have sort of an entrepreneur who, who has all kinds of ideas and, and their strategy is whatever in front of them that particular day. So you can be a leader from either of those polar opposites, but you have to respect the other and you have to recognize that you need them. You know, the, the accountant needs that entrepreneur to push and move forward. The entrepreneur needs the accountant to sort to do a check and balance. It's, a, it's really a check and balance. And also in my book, I talk about the ideal team. The ideal teams have, have components of all four of those. Talk with me about tools a little bit and your reference to tool, leadership tools in the book. Define tools. What's this tool chest, if you will? Well, there, there are lots of different tools, but, but, but primarily for me uh, that I focus on in the book is, is the tool associated with leading others, being in a team, le- leading teams. And one of them is recognizing diversity. And diversity, I define it as not in the politically correct term, but in, in the terms of what you were just talking about. The diversity of thought of way things way things are done. Oftentimes, the mistake leaders make is they say, "I'm going to get people that are just like me." You don't want that. You want actually you want conflict. You want positive conflict that we talked about before. So a lot of the tools I talk about is how do you manage that within a group? You know, how do you how do you create expectations that make sense? How do you create group dynamics that are positive? How do you create an environment where, where risk-taking is, is, is rewarded, where, where innovation is rewarded? All those things are the tools that I talk about in my book. Hmm. Do you feel that leaders have an obligation to help their team members get from one stage in their career to the next stage? And how important is that for them to focus on that? I think it's important for two reasons. And I, I like to joke with my staff about this. I said, even if I didn't care about them personally at all, it's in the interest of the business that I'm growing leaders. So when they're, when they're growth off, like, so even if I don't care visually. Now that said, of course, guys, I, I actually am very interested in the professional development of my team. And I always think that leaders should constantly find, be, be looking and finding their own replacements because then you have the opportunity to actually go on and do bigger things, and they have the opportunity, and, and by, by definition, the, the entity is growing. That's the only way growth happens. If, 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 uh, if, if you're working with a team of people that, that are afraid to make decisions or are afraid to jump forward, then the business won't, won't be able to jump forward. How hard do you think it is to recognize leaders, particularly when they're younger in their career? Do we need to get good at that? Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's interesting. I think it's actually relatively easy, uh, and it goes back to these twelve behaviors that I talked about earlier, in the sense that you know those behaviors are irrelevant to to positions. So I could see someone who is in an entry level position that isn't in charge of managing anyone, and I can identify based on 
how they volunteer for things, how they raise their hand, how they, how they um, set incredibly high expectations for themselves, all those things, I could see that. I think it's relevant to see that, whether a person's in a position of leadership or not. Once in posi- position of leadership, it's easy to see those things as well as you know, results themselves. Do you need to be on the stage to evaluate whether someone can be a leader, or are there just these little traits, these little things that you see in somebody, maybe even on a first interview? It, it, hardly it is, know them. It's the behaviors. It's the behaviors that I talk about. But I, I will warn, you know, one of the things that is, is, is something that masks a lot of things is charisma. Charisma is a phenomenal thing to have in a leader, but too often there are people, very charismatic people, that are mistaken for leaders because of their charisma. So just want not to be not to be slipped by. Wow, that's the most charismatic and, and, and a person I've ever met, or a tremendous public speaker. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a great leader. To me, it goes back down to those behaviors. Now, those that behave in in the way that uh, that great leaders do and have those characteristics, it's all the more powerful for them. Let's take a break, and we'll come back and ask a difficult question, and that is, no matter where you are in your career. Can you, in fact, become a leader? Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, Let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment. 
Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Best Search Strategies. Where our hosts, Jamie Smith and Brian Lewis, discuss state-of-the-art search strategies and tools to help search marketers increase conversion and lower costs. Best Search Strategies. On demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. And now back to life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Mike, welcome back. Thanks. So this notion of anyone can be a leader, what's your take on that? Well, I, I think, per, first of all, it has to be a conscious decision, okay? And it's not just a decision I want to be a leader in a generic sense. It is, why do you want to lead? I mean, what, what, what motivates you to do that? You know, where does that fit into your own personal set of values? So, yeah, I think anyone has the ability to be, to be a leader, but that doesn't mean that anyone can be a leader in any particular position. Do you think that there are people that try to throw themselves into leadership positions that that are disruptive to the workflow? Do you know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, absolutely. There are people that are what I call the look at me people. The people that, you know, when there are successes, they are the first ones, you know, in the, in the front of the photograph, if you will, that you know, look at me, look at me, look at, look at what I did. And, you know, they're not that overt, but, but, but everyone who has worked in, an or, in, a, in a company knows what those people are like. Likewise, those people are the first to throw others under the bus when things don't go well. And, right. and both of those characteristics are just completely uh, uh, um, against, you know, the core behaviors that I talk about. Very interesting. And, and is there is is it possible that people uh, are trying to stretch themselves and flaunt muscle and earn leadership credential um, that are that are literally harming the work environment? I'm thinking of you know a new employee comes on board and you know prima donna you know account manager is or you know account executive is you know, starts beating them up and telling them what they're doing wrong or trying to coach them when it's not their job to be coaching them. I mean, are these are these danger signals? Can these be disruptive to the workflow? They could be. I mean, it depends on how that's being done. So, you know, a lot of times people are overstepping their bounds and not recognizing that it's not whether, whether or not they have the authority to do so. It's really whether or not they have the skill set and ability and knowledge to do so. Oftentimes, I find you know, people that are trying to prove themselves as leaders feel like they need to know everything, so, or at least pretend they know everything. And those are the people that tend to overstep their bounds. On the other hand, there are some wonderful leaders who are coming up who may have some great ideas that haven't been thought of, and they know how to contribute those ideas in a positive way that doesn't turn people off, but actually does the opposite, actually generates energy and enthusiasm. And there's, it's a real difference between the two. You're right. Yeah. How can you test your ability to lead? Can you test your ability to lead? And 
Well, sure. I've always counseled uh, young young professionals that you know they feel like there's this conundrum that um, in order to get a leadership position, they have to have leadership experience. But on the other hand, they can't get leadership experience until they're in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them that's a complete false paradox because regardless of your position, you know there are ways to demonstrate your skills and experience, and mostly it's through volunteering for things. Uh, you know, I, I had someone on my staff who, who came up to me and, and she was terribly excited about, you know, creating a team for the uh, Susan J. Komen Race for the Cure, a company team that we've never had. And to me, it was no sweat off my back. I said, go ahead, you know, and, and she proved herself. She proved him leading the team, putting all these things in place. And at the end of it, I saw, I saw potential in her that I didn't see when she was just in her regular role. So she took an aggressive stance said, I see a need, I'm going to fill that need, and I'm going to impress the hell out of you. And she did. Hmm. In that example, and another question related to all this, how important is passion to, to leadership? I think it's it's tremendously important. And, and it goes back to this leadership identity that I talked about earlier. You know, that's why not all leadership positions are right for all people. It has to be uniquely right for your unique identity. And, and if you're passionate about it, it's more likely that it's right. If you're not passionate about it, but doing it for the wrong reasons, oh, I guess that's another step on the professional rung. I better do that position. Then more than likely you're going to fail because you're not going to have that passion or desire to really do it. And, you know, when I think of leader, good, great leaders, you know, you know, they, they pick people up, they carry them on, they, they, they kind of get them through the difficult times. In your mind, is is there a you know is there a definition of leadership? Is it is there like a sentence or two that summarizes what a leader does? Well, to me, leadership is is about getting getting great things done through people that wouldn't or wouldn't be able to be done through just that group of people by themselves. In others, get in other words, getting one plus one to equal twelve, not one plus one to equal two. And and great leaders know how to to facilitate a team great people to achieve tremendous results. And, and that, you know, assembling those people is critical. So do you think leaders, you know, how does recruitment of talent play into a good leader's role? How critical is that? It's, it's tremendously important. First, you always want to be hiring people that you think are better than yourself. And, and, and the, the greatest sign of a non-leader is those that are afraid to hire talent because they feel like they're going to be they're going to be overshadowed. Mm-hmm. So the, the great leaders hire tremendous talent and also areas that they know that they need assistance in. We talked about the four areas before. So, so, so those that are more entrepreneurial and, and are, are, are great people need to hire tremendous people that can, can, can frame those ideas. You know, those that are aggressive need, need to have people that are very collective in, in nature in terms of how they do things. So absolutely, it's one, hiring talent that is great, and two, hiring skill sets that are very different and unique from your own. Mm-hmm. By the way, have you read uh, Jeff Smart and Randy Street's book called Who? No, I have not. Maybe not, yeah. It's a very cool book. Um, okay. Take a look at it. it I'm going to have to look at that. You must look at that because I think it's it, it, it for, you know, it, it dovetails beautifully into what you're talking about. Um, in this last discussion, namely, how, how do you recruit people? Um, how you know you, you of course need to always be recruiting, but uh, but they really kind of begin to nail like you know quick assessments of people and alignment of 
you know, what you're looking for in someone for a particular role and, and whether it's fit and how to do that very quickly and efficiently. I think you'd love that book. Yeah, that sounds um, interesting. What I've always found the first step is always really understand what you're hiring for. You know, I, I always, you know, instead of creating a job description, I say, okay, what do I want the results of whoever's in this position to be? And then hire based on that, not on traditional job descriptions. Right. Exactly. You know, they, they have these like four main questions, you know, this sort of screening interview guide. You know, what, what are your career goals? You know, what are you really good at professionally? You know, what are you not good at? Um, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um, and, and, you know, who, who were your last five bosses and how will they rate your performance on a scale of one to ten? Is this, um, that sounds very similar to, to Brad Smart's top grading. I don't know if it's related or not, but I, I, I was trained by Brad Smart, Smart and top grading, which has a similar process for, for interviewing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, these guys are sort of out of like the Bain School of Consult. Yeah, probably. Yeah. There's probably some overlap there. Yeah, but, but I but I've definitely used those screening interview, you know, things, and, and, and it's it's very cool. It, it like there's a whole series of logic behind it. Um, you know, like you you want the person in particular to answer the first question before you even start talking about the the, the position, and before they even hear you talk, so you can sort of analyze their goals and their passion sure. uh, before you before you taint them with, with your own discussion topics. But you know, I want to get back to leadership because this is so key. I mean, do you feel like there is, is are, are classes that you could go to? I mean, besides your wonderful book, have you thought about a, a seminar or courses? And, and I, I actually, I actually do leadership? seminars as well that that are on my website. That's uh, MeFirstLeader.com. Um, and and the thing that the, the, there are two kinds of seminars that I do, and and there there are many that are out there that 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 do this. But one is for existing teams. And helping leaders actually, you know, create that team and create a team that, as I mentioned before, you know, can just do exponentially greater things than the sum of their parts should indicate they, they would be able to in, uh, accomplish. And then the second thing I do, um, especially for young professionals, is, is this whole concept of, of, of finding your own unique leadership identity. Um, again, I do not believe in a one-size-fits-all leadership model. I believe that every person is unique and different, and and I think the seminars, the seminar that I run that actually helps people find and and identify their own leadership path, and more most importantly, the actual steps for achieving it. Tell me a little bit about the obstacles that that women are facing as they're rising to the top of leadership. Well, I have. I write in my book about this concept about having it all, which I think is the worst concept that's ever happened to management. And it really started with women. When women came into the workforce, the concept of having it all. And to me, the problem with the having it all for both men and women is it's an impossible thing. No one has it all. So the question really should be is having what's important. And again, that's different for different people. So for women, just like for men, I say the same thing. Is, you, know, you have to decide what values are the most important for you, how those values, um, how, how those, what those values mean for you in terms of how they manifest themselves, and then in the context of that, decide what business and professional opportunities make the most sense. Whether you're a man or woman, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, those that try to say, I'm going to have it all, you know, they're destined to fail because it's impossible. Find out what's important. Go for what's important, and then let that drive what your decision-making process is professionally. 
makes sense, but I want to come back to the women thing. It's very concerning to me that, mm-hmm. you know, Silicon Valley, for example, you know, the w- women getting funded out of Silicon Valley is less than 5%. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just awful. It's awful. Um, you know, I, I just don't, I think that there's some disruption that's going to happen in the marketplace when when this world finally realizes how efficient, productive, and energetic, and you know, uh, incredible women are in, in the workforce. And you know, this seems to me to still be kind of a male-dominated, you know, management tier in this country. And I think it's awful and terrible. Have you done any consulting for women? Uh, any any special focus groups or, or or motivational opportunities to to educate and acclimate people uh, women with with what they're up against and why it's difficult and how they can overcome those challenges. I, I, I have not, but I will I will go back to you know to me it's you know this this may seem counterintuitive, but to me it's the same it's the same answer. It's it's uh, both men and women because sometimes men are funded for the wrong reasons as well. You know, and it is, is, it is finding out what's the most important for you and living your life that way and making your professional decisions that way. You know, I think the, 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 the gender equity issue in, 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 in this country has reached a tipping point. I mean, it, it, in fact, it's tipped. That doesn't mean that it is everywhere where it needs to be by any stretch of the imagination. That's for sure. But at the same point, you know, I've, I've worked in other countries where you know I see this not even coming close to being uh, uh, an issue. I, I've worked with groups that you see gender issues within the groups, uh, and and you're far less likely to see that here than uh, in the United States than than abroad. That being said, you are right. Uh, women continue to, to to face a sort of unique challenges, and part of it is societal. Uh, you know the the society the, the societal norms that are changing over time, but perhaps not changing fast enough. Well, it's been great having you on the show, Mike. Really appreciate it. Well, it's been great being with you, and I really, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, and to look forward to what next. I want to dig more into what you're offering on a leadership level, and maybe circle back with you. Um, you know, how can people get a hold of you, and who do you want to get a hold of you? Well, my, my website is mefirstleader.com, and that you'll see where my book is, and you'll and you'll see the seminars I have, as well as uh, my uh, my email address, which is which is Mike Lasday at mefirstleader.com, so very simple, uh, M-I-K-E-L-A-S-D-A-Y, and they can get a hold of me that way. And, you know, to me, it's anyone who is interested in, in either exploring their own leadership, unique leadership identity or I work with, like I said before, many companies that are looking to create uh, a much stronger team of, of people that m- maybe the ones they already have, but uh, trying to figure out better ways to, to create momentum through other people. Fantastic. Great having you on the show once again. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Byron. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and you're ready to become a leader. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week.
This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.